Well, we're going to be in Romans 8 this morning, and as you're turning there, I do want to mention that uh, my son this last week said something to me uh, I didn't know quite how to take. He said, Dad, you were, you were wise, and I'm like, okay, I like that part, and old, <laughs> so I'm not quite sure <laughs> how to take that. Um, Joshua showed me a picture of his young one starting to learn how to walk and pull himself up. And uh, yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. Um, and then uh, Grayson, um, it's really cool. I got to get this on video because people do not believe me. You know, he has one of these magnetic boards that you can write on and run the magnetic over and it erases. And I will write the word hi and he'll say hi. I will write the word O, like O-H, he'll, he'll say the word O, and there's a couple of other words, and I'm like, you're, you're only 22 months old. I'm like, he's already ahead on his sight words, yes! I'm like, his, his kindergarten teacher's going to be impressed one day, so. <sighs> so that has nothing to do with the sermon, so I, I, I hope you're in Romans 8 this morning, <laughs> Romans 8, 16, and then we're going to be turning to 2 Corinthians later on, 2 Corinthians 12, if you want to mark that, you're welcome to, so uh, Romans 8, 16, it says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we, are, if we are children, then we are heirs, if heirs of God and co-heirs of, with Christ, if indeed we share in His suffering in order that we may also share in His glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And whole, I love that verse right there, because there's, there's different times that we have all gone through um, suffering, Right? There's different times where we've, you know, whether at the hands of somebody else or something that we've, we decided to do and, and it got us down a path that, that caused suffering in our own life or, or you know, maybe just even uh, health issues and stuff. You know, we suffer sometimes. But when we accept Christ's offer and we're adopted into his family, Paul is telling us that we become heirs. We become, um, you know, part of the family. And, and we become inheritors, inheritors of his name, inheritors of his, his characters, uh, you know, characteristics, uh, uh, inheritors of his enemies, you know, uh, inheritors of his will. It's more than we just realized. I mean, we didn't realize by joining the family of God, all of a sudden um, our life would change. All of a sudden it would be completely different than what we thought it would be. You know, when we adopted our son Grayson, he didn't, you know, he didn't realize these things because, well, one, he, he's a baby, you know. But, but secondly, you know, we had the privilege to, to literally receive, uh, to receive him right when he was born. And, but as Christians, many of us, when we get, you know, we're older when we get adopted by God, when we accept God and we're adopted into the family. And we don't realize, you know, with Grayson, it'll just be natural growing up in our family, and it'll be natural to have grandparents that aren't necessarily related to us, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But, but now it's become family and all those, you know, that for him will be natural. But for us coming to God, sometimes it can be unnatural because all of a sudden we have family members that we didn't necessarily think we were going to have. Even some that we love, some that we absolutely can't stand to be around, but they're part of the family. You know what I mean? 
wow, we didn't realize the change that would happen. And all of a sudden, we're not living for, for self. We're not living just for pleasure that's in our own lives. Now we're living with another family. Our circumstances start to change. Paul has told us for the first cha- you know, eight chapters of, of Romans that we really have a bright future. We have some great things to look forward to. But along with that bright future, there's going to be some times when we suffer. And we don't like that at all. Something that we don't want, something that we don't like. I mean, if I ask you to raise your hand, how many people like to suffer? No hands would go up, okay? So I'm not even going to ask, you know what I'm saying? You know, as a child, we, we run to our parents, but as an adult, an, an adult when, when something happens, when we start to suffer, you know, when Grayson hits his head, he's going to come running to mom and daddy, right? Usually bawling and crying, you know, like the world has ended, I hit my head. And he's crying and crying, and you give him a pacifier and he shuts up, and you're just like, wow, that's a mute button, you know? <laughs> wow. But as adults, what do we run to? We suffer, what do we run to? Well, some it's the bottle, and I'm not talking about a milk bottle, okay? For others, it's the comfort of the opposite sex, and for others, it's jumping right into a project so we can ignore what's going on in life and focus right there, you know, ignore the situation. And for others, it's running to the Lord. You know, some of us have been through some amazing hardships in our life, and we don't get to know that unless we spend some time together. And you'll find that some have gone through the valley of the shadow of death. And until we fellowship, beyond the high, how are you? Oh, yeah, so how's it going? You know, the weather's great. Oh, it's supposed to be 95 degrees this next week. Can you believe that? I don't know, literally, it's going to be 95. I know, too early for it. But if we never get beyond the weather, if we never get beyond these things, we don't realize what we've gone through. Because we think we're the only one that's ever gone through this. And come to find out, you might find some other people that can help you along the path. The Apostle Paul says we are children of God and that we're going to suffer to be able to share in His glory. Some Christians will suffer, period. That's just how it is. It's part of our course. It's part of our lifestyle. Jesus literally is a suffering servant. So to understand that we will follow in his footsteps will actually help us along that path. And the Apostle Paul says, when one of us suffer, we all tend to suffer. And it's difficult for the church to deal with this because so many of us suffer alone because we don't want to open up. We don't want to talk about it. We will smile when we walk in. We will sit down and pretend like everything is just dandy, just fine. There's no problems in my life. I'm here to worship God. I may even sing a few songs. I'll take communion, and then I'll leave, and I'll still be thinking about what's going on in my life, and I haven't told anyone what's going on. And we suffer alone. That is one of our major problems. It's important for us to get to know each other beyond that. But because so many of us have been burned. Okay, now this one I will ask. How many of you have been burned? You know what I'm saying? Like you've opened up to a friend and they just, I mean, it's like they took your friendship and they just put it down and they just started jumping on it and just jumping. Okay, I'm not going to jump up and down, but you know what I'm saying? I'd hurt myself, you know, but you know, they just, I mean, it's like they tear apart your friendship and throw it away. So now what do you do? (laughs) I'm definitely not telling anybody else. Forget that. 
you know, we like to help people when they suffer. We like to help people when they're going through difficulty. But sometimes when we help someone, they turn out to be a problem for us, right? Or we help somebody and they turn around and leave. I can't tell you how many times the church, we as a body have helped somebody, I mean really helped somebody, to only see them turn around and leave in a few months. And you're just like, but we, we, I don't get that. Now at the same time, I want to give you a quick update on somebody we recently helped. Uh, Christy Daly, many of you might remember her, her and her, her children. Um, she was down here for a couple of months, and she, she came and started asking for prayer. She didn't come and say, I'm in need, I'm in, you know. But as she started getting involved, and we found out what was going on in her life, um, we, we, you know, decided we could try to help her out. And then we found out that she had an opportunity to move back up north. So, so we tried to help her out there in the end, and she's now living in Oregon. She's now found a good church to attend. She wanted to find a good church, some, a church that was teaching the Word of God because she was here and with you, with you guys. And she felt your love, and she wanted to go find a place where she could do that herself. And I'm sitting there going, finally, somebody that we helped, you know, as they moved on, they're like, man, I, I, I want to do the same for other people. I want to help other people. Now she has a, a, a job up there for the county and, and doing really well, and it's nice to help somebody, and you find out later on, you know, and I want to say thank you guys for doing that. But we can't help people if we don't know what's going on, right? But so many of us, we, we just kind of, you know, we can't pray for you, you know, we can't provide. Uh, we need to open up and get past the surface level conversations. But instead, we'd rather talk politics. Oh, Trump's 100 days you know, or Middle East. I mean, can you believe what's going on? I mean, we could have a whole conversation about what's going on over there right now or something else rather than open up about what's going on in our lives. Paul says to mature, we're going to suffer. But the beauty of it is there's purpose in the suffering. It's not random. It is, it is suffering for a reason. There's a purpose and a plan. And at some point, hopefully, we will understand the greater picture. Hopefully. Sometimes God chooses to, to show us part of that now. And sometimes God chooses to, to show us later. Sometimes God chooses not to show us now because we'd be freaking out running down the other road. You know what I'm saying? If we showed Brandon what he was going to be studying in 12th grade, he probably would, well, actually, he'd probably like it. I mean, he's crazy. But, you know, other kids, they'd be like going, no, I'm not going to school anymore, you know. He's like, Mom, can you do this math problem? And he's putting together all these numbers and pluses and minuses. And we're just like, I'm like, I totally, I go, what is he doing? She goes, homework. <laughs> I'm like, he made up his own homework. I'm like, crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they just did a study saying that children, they think children get their smarts from their mother and not the dad. So I, I guess so. I, I'll just leave that for what it is. So, but sometimes we get a glimpse of what is happening. Sometimes we suffer and years later we'll come to understand and it, it'll kind of come together. And, and for years we'll be thinking, why did I go through this? Why did I go through this problem? What is going on? And then, you know, 
we just don't know anything, don't know what's going on, and we call out like Habakkuk did, and call out like Job did, and God's answer is, you're asking questions that you will not understand the answer to. Brandon asks questions all the time. Uh, uh, some things he'll understand, and other things I'm just like, well, you'll, you'll understand that when you get older, you know? And we'll talk about that when you get older, but he wants to know right now. But there are other times when we go through stuff like this. Here's a friend of mine. Uh, this is what uh, she wrote down. 25 years ago, I went through suffering, through, you know, I, I went through a time of suffering through an unwanted teenage pregnancy. So you see, the suffering actually was from her own fault, right? She did something. The result was a baby, okay? Christ guided me through the answer of delivering my baby and giving her up for adoption. She did not want to go down the path of abortion, okay? So she's like, I, you know, she felt that God wanted her to give this baby up for adoption. I delivered this child to a couple who needed and wanted a baby. I was scorned by all my peers, I was told to move to Mexico by my father's parents, which is very ironic because she's not Mexican, so I don't know. I anguished with sickness and pain and yet knew that God had a plan for this baby. I suffered for many years wondering what became of the baby in its life. Last September, I received an email from her with a message of a young girl trying to locate her birth mo mother that was indeed my daughter. We became so close that it was like we never were apart. So they built this relationship. The affirmation that my decision in giving her up for adoption was more than I could imagine. In other words, she not only told me that I gave her the gift of life, but the gift of a wonderful life. Now the gift of life with her coming back into my life is beyond words. The timing of her return couldn't have been any better. I've been going through a, a, a horrible divorce since March of last year, and a lot of it has to do with child custody. So this woman went on and, and got married and had kids, and now she's going through a divorce, and what a, what a situation she's in. I barely get to see my kids, and my father's been alienating um, me from them. This young woman returning to me at this time has been amazing and pure, and a pure grace to me from God and the greatest gift I've ever received. See, that's an amazing thing. Here she suffered, and she, you know, gave up the child for adoption, and then went through life wondering, and then God brought it full circle back around at the right time for her. And she said it was an amazing and pure grace from God to her. So that's really cool that time to time we see the, pain, the purpose in the pain. Even when the pain comes from something that we actually did considering it was sin. You see my point? She caused her own problem. She caused her own suffering. But because our Father can work all things together for good, even if it's our fault, even if we have liver disease because of the alcohol, or even, you know, if no one talks to us because of our anger issues, even if people ripped, you know, even we, we rip people off, when we bring the suffering to Him, 
He desires to reconcile that. He desires to heal that. But also, come to find out, we'll suffer to get to the other side. That's just how it is. Paul says it's like, like this in, in verse 17. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. And that's a promise here. We're going to share in the suffering, but we also share in the glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let's look at a couple of these words. Suffering is the word pathos. It's where we get the word pathology or the word pathetic, okay? Uh, pathos, an ongoing agony, misery, distress, continuing pain of any kind. It's also the root word for passion, the passion of Christ. We think of Passion Week as this week where Christ is really passionate about things. No, Passion Week is the suffering of Christ during his last week here on this earth before he died for our sins and was resurrected. There are all different kinds of suffering. We could list out a whole bunch. Physical suffering, chronic pain, people who take care of people in pain. They often suffer quietly in their suffering. In other words, you're taking care of a parent, you're taking care of something, and, uh, you know, parents suffer with their kids' ailments, you know, mental or, or physical our kids suffer taking care of their parents, certain diseases, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, dementia. There's mental suffering, having thoughts that other people just don't have. And you're like going, I don't know why these things are there. Our fears, extreme fears, suicidal thoughts, irrational thoughts, emotional suffering, people whose hearts have been broken, people have been betrayed by, by friends and either those that you thought were on your side or, or whatever, or depression or anxiety, or deep wound from the past that you just, it hasn't really healed and you just can't get past that, relational suffering. Grief through loss or, uh, you know, loss of, of, you know, through death or loss through a divorce or, or loss beca just because of life. Suffering of unfair things maybe happening to them. Someone does something and, and you pay for it the rest of your life. You can blame that on your parents. Just everything is always the parents' fault, okay? Now, with some people, you go to them and you say, grow up. It's time to move on, okay? You're carrying this suffering because you don't want to let go of it. Stop it. Move on. Literally, some people you got to say that to, okay? But with others, when you, when you really understand what's going on, you say, wow, that is just, that's just awful. And you help them with that burden. You allow God to use you to lift some of that off, the suffering or guilt or regret, wondering if, if Christ maybe has even really forgiven us. You know, God's grace can cover a lot. We need to ask Him to take the suffering away. He may want you to go through a difficult situation where you suffer for a reason, and He may just take it away like that through grace. But we need to understand that suffering is something that we will go through. It is not a punishment from God. You know, so many people from old, and even today, you know, the, the whole idea is that if you go through a difficult time, well, hey, what, what sin have you been doing? No, no, seriously, seriously, what have you done? Because, I mean, God must be, I mean, you must have done something. 
And that's what we really think. But, but there may be consequences to our actions, but there's also forgiveness there for our actions. He will not hold it over us like a relative that hates you, okay? He won't bring it up every time you see them. See, there's also a suffering from Christian persecution. You know, your company may be hostile to Christians, your school may be hostile to Christians, or your family may be. This, you know, this just, or this pales in comparison to those who are suffering in their faith in places like North Korea, China, Iran, and Iraq, and Syria, and Jordan, Somalia, and Kenya, and Uganda, and on and on and on. I read this last week, an article about, uh, uh, the, about Iraq, that basically Christianity that's been, in, been there in certain towns from the time of Christ, literally Christ, uh, Christians came over, you know, from the, uh, the Persia and, and all that, and literally from that time, there have been towns that had Christians there that are, uh, the, the towns have no more Christians in them now. Literally, from the time of Christ. And then more like, oh, I, I kind of suffer over here. But at the same time, does that discount the things that we go through? Absolutely not. So I don't want to say our suffering or what you're going through or, or what people are going through is not as... I don't know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's nice. The pastor just said he didn't know what he was saying. Um, what I mean is just because they suffer in a different way doesn't mean that our suffering isn't suffering. Does that make sense? We suffer in a different way, though. Suffering takes on many forms. And, and Paul says, I consider. Think about the word consider. Consider the word consider. It means to calculate, to come up with a solution. It was used in Greek banking, you know. Uh, calculate the interest and, and Greek philosophy to come up with a conclusion, to really think something through. Paul is saying, I thought a lot about this and I came to the conclusion that any present suffering, regardless of the cost, regardless of the type of pain, our present suffering will not hold a candle to later revealed glory. Hmm. Paul is trying to give us some perspective here. We can compare our lives, what we suffer. Then we take a trip down to Mexico and we say, wow, we have a lot. I suffer because my car needs to be in the shop and I don't have the money to fix it. And man, I'm, I'm really suffering. And then you go down there and they're walking everywhere because they have no car. Then we go to somewhere like Iran, Iraq, Syria, North Korea, Uganda, Kenya, many different places, and we go, wow, they're, they're killing Christians, okay? I don't know why God had me born in the United States. Don't know that reason. All I know is I'm doing what God wants me to do. That's my path while I'm here. But the suffering that we may have, man, later glory is going to just knock all of that off. Knock it all away. Make it all worth it. Paul is trying to give us a perspective here. When we are in the middle of suffering to say, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't the life that I wanted. This isn't the life that I got. This is, I mean, I, I didn't want this for us to be able to say, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to survive this. 
because this world is not my home. I'm going to make it to heaven. And when I do, all things will be great. So first off, I think we need to to grow in this. God may be allowing the suffering in our life, and and it has a purpose, and it has an end date. Okay, the suffering that we may go through at this point has an end date. Okay, maybe it's high school, well, you'll finish. (laughs) Or whatever it is, it has an end date. Maybe that end date ends with your death. I don't know. All I know is it has an end date. We don't know when that end date is for the suffering, but ultimately, the reason why Christ comes He comes to tell us in Revelation that the end of all suffering will come and it will never happen again for believers. Now that ought to excite us. That when we go to be with God, all that suffering is going to be gone. Paul says in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing. The word worth or worthy is axios. It means weight, excess value. So you have the scale on one side, suffering. On the other side, the bright glory of the future with Christ. Now, which one's going to be more weight? They don't compare. Paul's saying, just hang in there. Hang in there and survive because we have a hope in God that, that, that He is doing something. He, you know, either we need to sit still and and wait on God, or we need to push through it with God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, or he's about to heal the whole situation. Paul is teaching us that we need to pray and learn how to pray. He just taught us how to hear the voice of God the last, you know, couple of uh, times in Romans we've been talking about hearing the voice of God, and now he's teaching us why we need to hear the voice of God. It's to help us in our present suffering. Now, even though the book of Romans was written by the Spirit through Paul, it is fair for for us to ask the question, what, you know, and and for the people receiving the letter in Rome, what right does this man have to talk to us about suffering? Did Paul suffer? So many of us have studied the life of Paul. Would you say that he has suffered? So, because we're all Bible scholars here, you should all shake your head yes, okay? Okay. Okay, come on, people. Go with me, okay? He was misunderstood and ridiculed and criticized by his friends who rejected him because of his beliefs. And then later, he becomes a Christian, and they all, all his old friends rejected him, and his new friends wouldn't accept him because he's been doing what? Killing Christians. He suffered from family rejection, after he became a Christian, you don't hear about his family. He was married at some point because he could not have been in his position with the Sanhedrin without being married. That Jewish tradition, Jewish way of doing things, okay? Have you ever heard about Paul's wife? Absolutely not. Scholars believe, and again, this is all, you know, we don't really know, but scholars believe that that his family completely rejected him because they were high up in Judaism and completely rejected him when he became a Christian. Then he had all these enemies, active enemies that wanted to kill him. Now, how many of us would say we have active enemies wanting to kill us? Okay. 
Yeah, I don't really see any major hands except for Turtle down here. He raised his hand, but, but that's just your dad wanting you to clean up your room. He's not going to, yeah. He had people who wanted him dead on a daily basis, I'm sure. This was kind of stressful, wouldn't you say? He was arrested and imprisoned several times. And the jails weren't little comfy jails where you get three meals and a cot. You know what I mean? They didn't have, you know, TV and internet and all those things in the jails, okay? Um, As he got older, it would have been harder to, it would have been harder for him to be in jail. He would have been beaten. He would have been flogged. He was chained to guards for 24-7 at one point. One time he was beaten so severely, his body was literally taken out to the local dump and just thrown in. He woke up, he opened his eyes, he got up, and he walked back into town. This guy was amazing. But we wouldn't say, you were so amazing, you didn't suffer. See, this is the thing about amazing people. We take for granted that they actually are suffering. They're just not bothering us with it. Sometimes we see, you know, saints, Christians, uh, who never complain that they're suffering. They've just kind of matured in the process. It doesn't mean they're not going to people and saying, hey, pray for me, I'm going through this situation, or, or this is what's going on. It doesn't mean they're not getting, you know, opening up and, and talking with people, but they're also not wearing it on the sleeve. Oh, look at what's going on in my life. You know, there, there's the two sides. We tell you to open up, and then we get the person who just won't, you know, like the three, our, our, friend, our friend of ours is, doesn't have any children, um, Lisa's best friend, and she's babysitting three kids for, for several days, and she texted Lisa, the three-year-old won't shut up, <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, sometimes we have a friend like that, and they're 33 instead of three, and they just won't shut up, you know what I'm saying? That person needs to calm down a little bit, you know what I mean? Why did I go there? I don't know, but... <sighs> But they just don't bother us. Instead, they're asking us how we're doing. How are you doing? Literally. How's your life going? And and we go on and on and on and on and on. And we finally get around and going, how are you doing? And they're like, you know, I've decided things are great. And we walk away going, that's a weird way of saying things are good. No, see, I have decided that things are great. I'm trying to teach my son right now, attitude is a decision. I'm like... This morning, literally, I'm opening the door, and he's like, Dad, can you help me? I need to get on this ninja outfit. I'm like, Brandon, what do we do on Sunday mornings? It's like, get ready for church. I'm like, okay, so we need to get ready for church. And he goes, oh. And I go, okay, I'm going to shut this door, and we're going to do this again. I shut the door and open it up. Hey, Brandon, what do you need? And he's like, and I go, what do we do on Sundays? get ready for church. I'm like, I'm going to shut this door and we're going to do this again. So I open the door. Hey, Brandon, how's it going? What do you need? What are we doing this morning? Okay, we're getting ready for church. Okay. Okay, we're going to shut the door and we're going to do, you know, trying to teach him attitude is a decision. Sometimes we have to say, you know what? I'm suffering, but I'm okay right now because I know where, I know my path. I know that I'm with God. I know I know that God is in control. That's an awesome thing.
Paul continued to suffer. Let me tell you a little bit more. As a shackled prisoner, the Apostle Paul went through a terrible storm on a pretty small boat, uh, boat out in the Mediterranean. The boat breaks up in the pieces, and right before it broke, the guard goes through and unshackles all the prisoners, because guess what? If the, if the guards don't come with all the prisoners, they have to take the prisoners' place as the punishment. So you think the Roman guards are going to be counting heads. You know what I'm saying? So they do this. So, I mean, they're, they're all swimming the shore. They all get on the shore. Paul gets, you know, gathers wood. He's he, 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 you know, ready to start a fire. And the snake reaches out and bites him. And, you know, man, God must really, really like you. And the other Christians, Paul, I mean, look at, I mean, shipwrecks, snake bites. I mean, come on. Paul doesn't complain. He rips off the snake and throws it into the fire. Well, everybody on this little island of Malta knows that if you get bitten by that snake, you die. But Paul wasn't dead. Guess what happens? Paul suffers, but he continues to be in prison for another year or so. I mean, come on, God. You know, shipwreck, snake bites, almost dying. Isn't that enough? You would think that you know, Paul, <laughs> when's Paul going to retire? You know, no retirement, no 401k, no golf course, no Hawaii vacations. I mean, it's like, what? Ugh. Heart attack, you know? No, Paul gets prison. He meets with Caesar, and then he's beheaded. Wow. The guy who writes most of the New Testament doctrine. And then the top it all off. In his life, Paul has this mysterious chronic ailment that he doesn't even fully describe for us. And, and you know, he has this disability that, that apparently you could see somehow, and he refers to it as being embarrassing. He even, refer, you know, he even gives it a nickname. Well, actually, a couple of nicknames, but, but the first one, do you know what he calls it? A thorn in the flesh. And that's what he referred it to, the thorn in the flesh. When you give something a nickname, it's kind of a big deal, right? Go with me to, to 2 Corinthians 12, 17. And if you need to, that's right before Galatians. Second Corinthians 12, 7. Paul's going to talk to us about his disability. He kind of describes it in vague terms. He says, therefore... In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. So you got a second nickname for it. And it tormented me, to torment me. So here the Lord gives Paul something to, to show that even he, though he's getting this immense knowledge from God and he's writing it down and he's imparting it upon all these people. And, you know, it's from the Spirit of God he was also given something to remind him that he was human. Okay, you're not so great, Paul. You think you're great, but you're not as great as you think. Wow, I mean, some of us have to stop and check our theology here. Some of us have this theology of, well, God would never, ever, 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 never, never, ever send suffering. That comes from Satan. But here we see, what does it say? Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So at first, he didn't think of it as a gift. 
He's like, um, I got this for Christmas. Can I return it? Three different sessions of prayer. And he knows how to pray. And I don't mean he sat down for 15 minutes and prayed. No, we're talking about three different seasons of prayer that he went through. And it's not like God said, oh, I'm sorry, you got the wrong, you got the wrong thing. Here, I'll ship you a new one through Amazon. It'll all be fine, okay? My son thinks that we get everything through Amazon. I, yeah. Verse 9, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The weaker you get, Paul, the more it becomes about me, God was saying. The less of you is there, the more my power can operate. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, Paul's saying, once I figured out it was Christ, I decided to be happy about it. And it was a decision. I quit focusing on the negative part of it, and I concentrated on Christ moving in on this thing so that people could see the glory of God. Instead of focusing on our suffering, instead of focusing on our situation, he just said, okay, I'm going to deal with this, and I'm going to deal with it with God, and I'm just going to move forward. Because of my thorn in the flesh, Christ is glorified. Verse 10, he says, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He figured this out after three seasons of prayer. He finally got it, but it took a while. This is encouraging for us that are raising children. It takes a while for them to get it, right? It's encouraging for us as adults. Sometimes it takes a while for other people, I mean, I mean I'm sorry, for us to get it. We like to focus on other people, don't we? Oh, they'll eventually get it. <laughs> God's sitting there going, I'm trying to teach you. Paul is ultimately the Bible answer man. I mean, this guy, he knew it backwards and forwards. But it took prayer for him to figure it out. I would imagine Paul probably argued with God about this because Jews are really good about arguing. And yes, I know I'm kind of covering all Jews in that statement, you know, but, but uh, if you have Jewish friends, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, they just love to get in the, the, the little pieces of an argument and go for it. And I'm sure Paul argued with God about this. How can I represent you like this? How can I be God, you know, how can I be God's uh, servant out there? And then yet he finally got it. Suffering is sometimes needed in this life. Now, let's be clear. Scripture is not saying that all suffering is sent suffering. Scripture is not saying that everything that we go through that's a negative is, in fact, from God. I'm not saying that at all, because sometimes we get attacked uh, by Satan. Sometimes suffering happens from when we go down a path that we shouldn't go on. So we have to go to God and say, God, why am I suffering here? What is this? Why am I on this path? And, and God would say, well, Alan, that's because you decided this, this, and this, which went against my will versus, Alan, you're going to have to deal with it. This is, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have to learn from this one, you know. There's a lot that centers around, you know, our sin putting us in that position to have consequences. We can't say, well, God wants me to go through this, I guess. No, God wants you to clean up your act. God wants you to stop sinning. God wants you to, to stop doing these things. But we don't just suffer because of sin. Jesus took our suffering to the cross, 
And our desire is to stop suffering because we love God, not because God's up there going, stop that. No, our desires, because we love Him, we want His blessings, therefore we want to do what He wants us to do, which is not sin, which is go toward God. Too often, we think our desires to change our ways because we got caught. But at the same time, I don't think we can say stuff like, well, you got that cancer, that's a gift from God. You know, I, you know, I don't think we can say that. Just buck it up and praise the Lord now. You know, cancer's in this world because sin has entered into this world and it's changed us. It's changed our bodies. It's changed a lot. He may give us grace to go through the suffering in a godly way, but I wouldn't say the cancer's from God. Don't ever say that to a person. Or, you know, your husband left you. That's a gift from God. I, no. You got fired. You got fired, and, and you're going through a deep spiritual time. I'm so envious of you. You know what your prayer is for them? God, let them go through the same thing. You know, I mean, one of the main reasons people stay away from God is the issue of suffering, the issue of pain. Uh, and we as Christians are not going to be able to give a flawless answer about this. If a person says, I'm not going to give my heart over to God or over to the Lord until he answers me about suffering. Well, you know what? That person's probably never going to give their heart over to the Lord. Doesn't mean, I mean, I'm saying keep praying for him, keep going for it, keep trying to change their mind. But if a person has a problem with human suffering, the one book they need to read is the book of Job. God clearly explains why human, su human suffers. Or the book of Habakkuk, or, you know, because uh, he explains it there too. Or, or even study the life of Christ because Christ suffered. We don't and we will not understand suffering. There's no easy answer to that. And the church is so guilty of this, ignoring suffering all the time. Because we're the happy church. It's all about happy. Come in here. We're so happy. We will not understand suffering until we get to eternity. We won't. But there the pieces will fit. Our society wants to know. We want to know the answer right now. Just look it up on your phone, because your phone has internet, right? I mean, give me the answer. The answer is the problem is we live in a fallen world. Since Genesis 3, life has not been fair. This is why things have happened. Our world is completely falling apart. So let's stop operating that life is supposed to be fair because life isn't fair. And when it's not fair, we start to get confused. The hardest thing to do is to teach my children, uh, you know, has to do with life being unfair. What happens when we, you know, once we start understanding this? It's actually freeing because life is not fair. And then something really cool happens for us. And we get really excited and we're grateful and we start to understand that it's not fair that we actually live in America. Not fair that, that somebody got a raise or, or not fair that, that we have a car that works. Or, or we, and then we start to, start to appreciate the, you know, the things that God has provided to us. And we start to enjoy life a little bit, you know, a little bit more. You know, my son thinks that life isn't fair. Yet, 
He gets to go on vacations every year of his life. He doesn't understand his future. We're hopefully, you know, our goal is to one day take him to like Europe and Australia and, and then one day to, to mission trips in Africa and Haiti and different places like that. But right now, life is not fair because he didn't get that brownie last night that he really wanted, you know. Now, as believers, we don't go, well, sorry for you, life isn't fair. Look at what I have. No, as believers, we do what we can to help those that don't have as much. That's part of our job. That's part of, you know, the desire of the Lord. Like Jesus did, he prayed, he served other people. This is why it's good to go, you know, for us to go on mission trips and different things. And, and you know, that's kind of been put on, uh, put on hold for us because we had kids. And right when I was ready to, to jump back in, the Lord said, wait a second, you got another kid coming, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know. Uh, I mean, right now we just finally, after 22 months, got Grayson to sleep through the night, <laughs> you know. So we're like, okay, we can think about other things instead of like being awake and, you know, sleeping during the, yeah, anyway. But it's an amazing effect on us to understand that life is not fair. It's actually good for us to understand that. It helps us with our suffering. It eases our suffering. Some suffering has a clear purpose. Some suffering is because, you know, because of the fall, you know, from Genesis 3. And some suffering is brought on by other people. And then we see that some suffering is just because of age. I mean, uh, any older person will tell you, as my son said, I'm old and wise. So, you know, some suffering is because our bodies start to fall apart, unfortunately. What is really unfair, unfair is you see these people who smoke and drink and, and, you know, eat bacon all day, and they live to be 95 and 100 years old, and they're happy as a clam, you know? Then you have the person who eats fiber since they were age 11. They're vegetarians. They never eat meat. They drink their eight glasses of water. You've seen it, right? And then they pass away early, and you're just like, huh? It's not fair. Now, is God in all suffering? Yes. Did God cause all suffering? No. Did God allow it? Yes. Can He work it together for good? Yes. Does it matter how the, you know, how the suffering... Uh, does it matter how the suffering God got here? No, not really. When I suffer, am I paying for my sins? No. Jesus did that on the cross. It's an insult for us to think that Jesus, you know, didn't do enough on the cross, so I, I have to suffer for my sins. You know, I've been really bad in my life, so I, I'm just paying for my life. No, that's what the world calls karma, and karma isn't true, okay? When I suffer, am I earning a spot in heaven? No. Is all suffering since suffering? Absolutely not. But, let, you know, let's not invite suffering. Don't pray for suffering. Don't, Lord, I haven't suffered enough. You need to send some more suffering. You know, we don't, no. The Lord knows what we need. But also, we don't need to cause our own suffering. We shouldn't run towards suffering. And sometimes the world says, hey, this shiny thing over here, you really, and we start running toward it, and, and we start to suffer because of it. And, and God's like, why are you running toward that? Why are you running toward things that aren't good for you? When we suffer, we're supposed to go to the Lord and ask for, for complete healing. It's okay to ask for that. 
complete solution. Don't go say, it's okay, Daddy. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't fix it. No, we go to Daddy and say, fix it. Fix it. Then if it doesn't go away after multiple prayers, multiple times, maybe in a few seasons of you, you know, praying to God about it, then mature. Ask God, is this a sin suffering? Am I supposed to be going through this for a reason? And he may say, yeah, here's the exact reason. Or he may say, you know what, Alan, you're not going to understand this, and you probably won't understand it until you die, so that's okay. But, but know that I'm right there in the middle with you. And being okay with that. See, I think if we're mature about this, he may come back and actually say, yeah. Or no, this isn't sin suffering. You, you did this on your own. He may say, verse 9, you know, it says, but he, you know, talking about Christ, said to Paul, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then we realize if we stop fighting and stop, you know, uh, thrashing around and all that, and we start to view it as, as a messenger of Satan, a thorn in our flesh, that God has a part in all of this. Paul said it was for his ego. So if you're suffering through something, you've got to find out why it was sent. You've got to find out why. So go to God and say, is this sin suffering? Or is this suffering because of my sin? But regardless, Lord, I want you to be in the middle of it. And I want to get out of the suffering, right? Amen? We don't want to be in the middle of that stuff. But there may be a purpose for it. And that's what Paul's trying to teach here in Romans. He's saying, you're going to have a great life, but don't focus on the suffering. Focus on God being strong through your suffering, through your weakness. Well, let's stand as the worship team comes and finishes us for the day. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for those that are that might be going through a time of suffering today. Sometimes it's caused through our own disobedience and sometimes it's out of left field and we don't know why we're going through this, Lord. We pray for healing in those situations, but we pray, Lord, that if you have us suffering for, for a reason, if we have a thorn in the flesh, something that's always there, Lord, that we use it for your glory, that people may see it, but in seeing it, they see you. And really, that's our goal for this life, Lord, is for people to see you through us. There's so many different ways that you can use us when we focus on you, Lord, and we stop focusing on ourselves. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you. And may he be there through any suffering that you may be going through. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.